Okay, all right. Well, we're, we're actually recording now. So uh, just a, a, a brief overview for, for those who are new. I know I sent it to Cindy, and I can send text it to you guys too if y'all want to go back and hit last week's class. But I'll do a little quick thing to get you up to speed. Um, the foundations of our faith, many of us grew up in church, and we took what the Sunday school teacher or the preacher said as we took them at face value, okay? And we adopted that, 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 that what they said is always right. And most people I've never met, whether it be preacher, Sunday school teacher, whatever, would never steer you wrong on purpose, but maybe by accident. So as I shared in my testimony, as I've grown in the Lord and uh, I've, I've been through Christian school, I've been through some Bible college, although it was via uh, uh, CD, textbook. I didn't, I wasn't able to go to Christian college because I was married and had two kids by that time. And uh, so uh, I went back and studied of what I want to learn, not because somebody else said so, but because God's word said so. And uh, laying the foundation, we started with the letter A. For those new, we're going through the ABCs. And we're going to start off very elementary, although as of last week, our elementary ended up being, our elementary class got turned into a graduate class. And uh, But anyway, A was Adam, we saw the creation. And I tell everybody, remind everybody, there's no dumb questions. Hey, Manny, do you need one? I got an extra one. Oh, I just didn't get that. Oh, yeah, no, hey, man, I got an extra one. And uh, I... Um, there's no dumb questions. I was always grew up, you know, the only dumb question is the one that you want to know the answer to, but you're too afraid to ask. And uh, now that's why I love hanging around these older guys and watching them do stuff because they teach me something. Like David Motley, I follow in his little footsteps because as everything he does, uh, he teaches me something. And that's Mike's uncle, by the way but we won't hold that against Mike. But uh, David's like my hero because he knows so, so much uh, how to do stuff. Well, if you want to know, ask. I don't say I'll have the answer, but I'll try. All right, the pattern of how God created everything, and we looked last week, the mandate, we see very clearly God speaking, let us make man in our image after our likeness. we got to understand who he was talking to when he said, let us make man in our image. He's talking to Jesus who is eternal. Jesus is not created like so many different denominations believe. Jesus was eternal. Go to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. And going back verse 15, 14, 15, it says the Word become flesh. So that's very clear indication of Jesus. So he's making man in our image. What does, what does God look like? We don't know and nobody knows because the Bible says he is a spirit. But if you want to know what God looks like, bodily form, look at his son, Jesus Christ. So we're created after the image of God, which is uh, according to the bodily image of Jesus, which means head, shoulders, knees, and toes. <laughs> That's pretty good, pretty good song. I'm, I'm getting ready to break out in a nursery around here. Um, we're made just like, just like in our, our image. That's what you can see on the outside. We're also made, Adam and Eve were made after God's likeness. On the inside, that's what you can't see. And the likeness means that they were sinless. But of course, we know, as we'll see here um, today, if we've got time, how they lost that likeness. They sin come in their life. So the mandate, let us make man. The mention, and this is what we're looking at, Adam. 
1 Corinthians 15, 45. It is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. Okay? And the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Now, the word living soul, we got to talking about different Bible translations a little bit. I've always translated this in my mind is he's made him a living being. I think your Bible, Amber, said a living being. Yeah. Somebody else has said a living spirit. Living spirit. No, okay. Yours is maybe yours is spirit. I'm getting them mixed up. But really, what I think it made him a living being is what I talked about a couple Sundays ago. He made our soul a living being. The soul can't die. Okay. So Adam was a physical being. Jesus, referred to as the last Adam, was a quickening spirit. This quickening means to give life. So God, through Adam, gave physical life. But through the last Adam, which is Jesus, he gave him spiritual life. Okay, and then the manner, we see how um, God uh, made the Lord God form man out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul, or here we go, a living being. Then the method, we just saw God created man in his own image. The image of God created him, he, him, male and female. And I think that's as far as we got last week because male and female, folks, that's a black and white issue. And one of the problems with the world today is they're trying to erase that black and white and make it gray to where men can change their gender into female and vice versa. That's almost saying like, God, you made a mistake, and I've got to correct your mistake. I read something this week that was really pretty cool. If you stop and think about it, you've got to, in your mind, be made up. Either God created man or man created God. And it don't take a rocket scientist to figure out we are nothing. That God created us out of everything. So we see the pattern. All right, and... Um, Next, we see the partner, all right? The partner, all right? So God sent something, and we see that in verse number 18 of Genesis chapter 2. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone, and I will make him a helpmeet for him. So even God, as he looked down, he saw creation. Remember when we, when we talked about it last week, when God created everything, Literally, the, our King James says, let there be light. In the Hebrew text, what happened is God literally said, light be. And there it was. Okay? So, but all throughout Genesis, the creation account, he says he made this, and then he said he saw that it was good. He saw that it was good. Well, God does everything good because he's perfect. Amen? But when he created man, this is the only time it said it is not good. It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. So we see the perception. God knew this man needed something else. So he gives him a helpmeet, and we see the procedure. Now, how did, uh, how did God form woman? Well, we know he formed God, uh, formed man out of the, the dust of the earth. It's a Hebrew word, if I'm not mistaken, called yatzar. It just means he took the dust and formed the man and he was made quickly. He was made quickly. I don't want to say carelessly because I would be contradicting myself when I'm going to preach in the next hour. Uh, he just put man together, so to speak, but out of the dust. 
But now he goes to make a deeply intricate being, a much more beautiful and complex being, and he makes the woman. And God, the Lord God, verse 21, caused a deep sleep to fall over Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, Now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now I joked a few weeks ago, I think it was on a Wednesday night. She got her name woman because she come out of man. The Bible tells us that, but I said Adam rolled over when he woke up from the godly anesthesia and saw how beautiful Eve was. He said, whoa, man. <laughs> okay, it's supposed to be funny anyway. But uh, but this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. Y'all can use that, by the way. Uh, she should become a woman. She's taken out of man. Now, here we go. This is what we talk, closed with last week. Inadvertently, we got to talking about marriage. All right, what is marriage? Well, here you go. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was a little bit further down in uh, uh, Genesis 2. Here's, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. Yeah, this is kind of what we talked about. I'm sorry. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Okay? So what is what is marriage? We got talking about that last week. And... Uh, Nowadays, you go to get married, you go to the courthouse. I got a wedding to do October 10th, kind of one of those late late deals. <clears throat> and uh, the guy told me, he said, if you're good that day, we'll go get our marriage license this week at the courthouse. So what they'll do is they'll go up to the registrar deeds and pay their little fee and get their paper and put all the stuff down. And that's the way the government did it. But that started way back in Roman times for tax purposes, for census purposes, and all that. But what is marriage in God's eyes? Well, verse 24 says it. A man shall leave his father and mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Okay, so literally, uh, to be married, man and woman, they leave their families and they cleave to one another. And their marriage is consummated through uh, intercourse and they become one flesh. That's what God looks at it. And, but uh, they had nothing to be ashamed about because sin was not in society. Verse 25 tells us they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Okay? So there's the partner. We got perception. We got the procedure. And here's the proclamation. Here's what God told them uh, this. Uh, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... Thou shalt not eat of it. In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Got your Bible, man. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed to say I ran out of my office and forgot something. All right, so isn't it funny? I find it kind of wild that uh, there was no sin, but as soon as a family was created, we see in chapter 3, um, that uh, man, the Satan attacks the family, and and whole, all of society falls. Y'all ever thought about that? Satan was perfectly content to leave everybody alone until the family was formed. And so, um, 
the garden, the beautiful garden, we have no idea how long Adam and Eve were in the garden before Satan comes on in the scene in chapter 3. Uh, but God said, you can have everything that's in this entire garden, but do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Isn't that just like man? <laughs> you give him a, a, you give him a thousand things to look at. You tell him you can have the 999 things, but that old fleshly nature still wants the one thing that is for, forbidden. And uh, and so the partners uh, um, uh, is formed, and then in Genesis chapter 3. I wish I would have put this in our notes, but I didn't, so I'll just read it out loud. Most of you read chapter 3 a few weeks ago, too. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God hath made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Well, number one, God's creation was beautiful. We don't exactly know, our mind can't fathom, how beautiful creation was and what animal life was up until the sin. So we see in very uh, verse number one, the serpent was more subtle. He was more sneaky than any other beast. But it says, he said unto the women. So, I don't know if animals could talk. But you stop and think about it. He struck up a conversation with Eve and she didn't hightail it off. <laughs> if I see a snake, I'm gone. I don't care whether he talks to me or not. <laughs> okay? I'm going to get my shotgun and I'm going to give him some uh, lead in his diet. <laughs> but apparently this snake talked to, to Eve. I mean, look what he said. Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat. So Satan comes on the scene and he immediately begins to get her to doubt what God's word said. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden God said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. Now, part of that is right. He said, you shall not eat of it. God never said anything about touching it. See, she's already questioning what God said. She's already added to it. Something that me and Hunter and Nathan had talked about too. One thing about the Bible, when you get to really studying the Bible, us, especially as preachers or teachers, whatever, we've got to make sure we don't speak about something where God is silent. Because so many people can take something out of context and say, well, God said this. And if it ain't in this cover of this book, God didn't say it. And so Eve adds to it. She said, we should not eat of it. She said, well, neither shall we touch it. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. So he gets her to doubt what God's words, God had told them. Then he gets to even doubting what God had said. You shall, die, you shall not die. And um, verse number five, and Satan gives a reason. For God doth know that in that day you eat thereof, then shall your eyes be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. That's how Satan offers sin. He packages sin in some beautiful Wrapping paper, some beautiful package at the birthday party yesterday. Cortland opening up all his, his birthday gifts and all that. 
Uh, that's how Satan does the most beautiful, intricately wrapped gifts with the pretty shiny bows on it. That's how Satan does it. He makes it look beautiful. So when he tricks Eve, he said the only re- in a sense, the only reason God doesn't want you to eat of this fruit is because if you eat of it, you're going to know, you're going to be able to discern from good and evil, from right and wrong. And he said, you're going to be as a God. Um, but look what verse number six says, and this is where we pick up with our lesson. Uh, we see the pitfall. Here's the pitfall of man. So we've seen the pattern of man. We see the partner of man. Now we see the pitfall of man. Verse number six. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. It's over in John, I think it's First John, talks about sin, the sin of man, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's how sin is. You, you, the lust of the uh, flesh, that's the old wicked nature that we're born with. Um, that just, no, nobody has to teach us to do wrong. You know, I, I look at these little babies running around here. Charity, she'll be a year old at the end of this week. John and Kayla don't have to teach her to do wrong. It's just going to come naturally. So that's the lust of the flesh, the things you see you want, then the lust of your eyes as you get older, uh, the things you see appeals to that flesh then the pride of life i deserve this well we see all three of those that first john talked about in uh this verse number six she saw it was pleasant to the eyes a tree to be desired to make one wise the lust of the flesh the lust of the pride of the eyes pride of life so she eat but remember she was deceived by satan now i don't Nowhere that I can find concretely, if y'all do, I'll stand corrected. When God told Adam not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because um, um, we see in the proclamation in verse number 16, the Lord God commanded what? The man saying of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. Eve Eve wasn't here yet. So he, he told the man. So Eve... A lot of people try to blame Eve. And I think she kind of got the short end of that stick. Eve ate because she was deceived by the Satan. But Adam willfully ate of it. Now we don't know how close in proximity Adam and Eve was. But uh, the man had the greater sin than Eve. So we give you women a hard time. You know, really it was the man. And the head of the household. He, he should have stopped her or he should have at least... Not ate it himself. But look what verse number seven. The hey, at, least, I, at least now we know why women don't pick anywhere to eat. That <laughs> might be a really good point, brother. Eve didn't make him eat it. He ate it on his own. She didn't shove it down his throat. I think you're right. I do agree with you there. But we're going to go from <laughs> preaching to meddling here in a minute. <laughs> one of these young guys sent me a picture one day of this restaurant. And at the top of it says, I don't care. And they said, they said, they said, finally, guys, you have a restaurant that your wife wants to go eat at. You know, what do you want to eat? I don't care. Well, okay, I'll take you. Yep, there you go. That's why we <laughs> the future hangs in the balance. Um, the eyes of them were both open after they ate, 
and they knew that they were naked. The shame. We look at things and we're ashamed of things in life that God didn't originally mean for us to be ashamed about. But they then, their eyes were opened. They knew right from wrong. They knew their sin and they felt their shame. So they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And uh, really that is a picture, if you really want to get deep, that's a picture of self-righteousness. We cover our sins when we do wrong. Let's be honest, especially growing up, we cover our sins. We may lie, we may run and hide. Well, we'll see here in a minute, Adam and Eve did the same thing. But they covered their sins. The Bible says we should confess it and forsake it because what really covers our sins is the blood of Jesus Christ because he died on the cross for us. So not only did they sew fig leaves together and make themselves an apron, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. So, um, Adam and Eve must have been able to walk and to talk with God every day. And so when that when going all the way back to the first part, let us make man in our image, what we look like on the outside. Let us make them after our likeness, what we look on the inside. Remember, they were sin, they were sinless. All right. But look at verse number uh, 17 under the proclamation, the second point. In the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. You all heard me say uh, this spring, what died in man that day, I always thought that means the curse of death was from that point on. And it was, don't get me wrong. But something in that day died. That was the spirit of man. Okay? The spirit of man is what we're born with deep down inside our soul that tells us there's a divine creator. There's a divine being. Okay? That spirit is what gives us consciousness of God that knows Him. he's there. And it gives us communication with God. Because, I mean, y'all have heard me say before, I truly, in my heart, I don't care what they say, do not believe there's anything such a thing as atheist. They can say that all day long. They can claim that title all day long. But deep down in their, their, their soul, when they go out and they see the sun and the moon and the stars, they see the seasons of the years, you see a, a newborn baby, whether it's being born or right after it's born, there's no way in the world this can come, order can come from chaos. There is bound, I mean, Romans chapter 1 tells us that. The invisible things of creation point to the divine creator. And so, um, everybody knows there's a divine being, there's a creator, it's God. But we don't know who it is. We can't have consciousness of God and communication with God until you hear the word of God. And then to really get a relationship, a communication with God... It goes back to John chapter 3 where Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. The spirit of man comes back to life. And so um, only through Jesus could that happen. All right, so we're making good time. Any questions or comments up to this point? I hope I hadn't blowed over your head. Okay, so the only thing we've gleaned from that is ladies have an excuse for not picking out where to eat. <laughs> okay, so 
All right, so we see the partner man, we see the pitfall of the family, but then we see the purging. And here's why. Here's the whole reason I chose to start with A, Adam. We see the purging. All right, 1 Corinthians 15, 21. Uh, For by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as at, in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. All right, I found a verse this week, Romans chapter 5. I was there, and I just turned on it. I was reminded. I found this verse a long time ago, but I was reminded. Okay, Romans 5, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. I'm going to talk a little bit briefly this morning about the DNA structure. When Adam sinned, when Adam sinned, the sin nature then was passed on to every human being. Okay? Look at Genesis chapter 4 or 5. See here. Okay, verse five, chapter five. All right. God said in Genesis one twenty six, "Let us make man in our image, what we look on the outside, and after our likeness, what we are on the inside." All right. That's how God created man, in His own image and His likeness. Now, look at verse number three of chapter five. And Adam lived one hundred and thirty years. And begat a son in his own likeness, after his image, and called his name Seth. Now we know Cain and Abel. We know Cain um, killed his brother Abel. All right. Well, here's the third, the third son, Seth. But he was not. It doesn't say he was made after the image and the likeness of God. It says he was made in the image and likeness of Adam. So when people say, well, we're, we're made in the image and likeness of God. No, not anymore. <laughs> we may be on the outside, the image. I must have something on my chin. Then the likeness is on the inside. The sin nature, the DNA structure, has now passed upon all of humanity through Adam. So that's why when you're born, you don't have to be taught to do wrong. It just comes naturally. Okay. Um, we are death. The wages of sin is death. Okay, that's why Jesus come to die for us. And that's why verse number 22 we just read, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So that's the purging of our sin. Christ died so that we can be made alive, give us eternal life. And then the last verse for today so it is written, the first Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. So God made the first Adam in Genesis a living being, a living soul, a soul that possesses life, a soul that will live forever, but a soul that would be condemned to hell forever if not being for the last Adam, which is just a reference to Jesus, he made us a... He, was made a life-giving spirit. So Jesus came to die and pay our sin debt so we could have eternal life 
and that communication and consciousness of God could be restored. So now we can have communion, we can have fellowship with God. Okay, that's it for the lesson. Questions? Comments? Snide remarks? <laughs> Nothing. Man, don't tell me y'all shot all your ammunition last week. Well, we, we touched on we touched on it, and I'll tell you I'll tell you um, what's your appetite. All right, God told Adam and Eve be fruitful and multiply. Okay, all right, we talked about this, and and I studied it out, and I'm still at the same conclusion that was that when God told Adam and Eve to multi- be fruitful and multiply, they had sons and daughters. Of course, the Bible only tells us about their first two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain killed his brother Abel. I always remember that because Cain killed him because he was able. Kind of catchy. Makes me, makes me think of that. But then we see Seth. Well, we know for sure Adam and Eve had to have daughters and more sons and daughters. So how did they replenish the earth? Remember, it was no law given at the time. So literally, the brothers took the sisters to be their wives. And that's where Manny was left like, man, I can't believe we come from that. But... Um, I studied that out because Nathan had a really good point. And I'm not going to say Nathan's wrong by no means because, again, I'm not going to speak to something where the Bible is silent. Um, Nathan said, well, did, could God have created some more human beings a little bit later on or a little bit different location? He very well could have. Uh, that is possible. But still, for the world to, to, be, to explode, to population to explode... Um, brothers and sisters were able to get married. And, of course, that was a pure bloodline. Remember, there was no sickness or disease like it is today. There was not even sickness before the curse was was placed upon mankind. Uh, And so today we battle everything. I mean, the stuff that we eat with the preservatives and all is probably as bad as anything for us. Uh, So... Life, it was a pure bloodline, didn't have abnormalities and deformities that we do nowadays. So that, I still believe, and most theologians believe that that's how God began to repopulate the earth. or Not repopulate, but populate the earth. But Nathan's point of view really may have made sense. Maybe God did create some, some other people, but the Bible just doesn't speak on it. But we just have to take it by faith. And we'll see... Um, in chapter number six, this is what the adult class is te- teaching about today, how the earth, as it was populated, become very sinful. And God says, man, he knew this was going to happen. You're not going to surprise God. God never said, oops, I didn't see that one coming. And so God sees how man was so wicked, then he sent the flood to really literally wipe out all of humanity except for Noah Mrs. Noah, his three sons and their three wives, then when they get off of the ark, they replenish the earth. So God could do some great things. So in Adam, we all die. In Adam, we were all made sinners. Sin is in our DNA structure. We were born sinners apart from God. We deserved hell in its simplest form. This is the gospel. We deserved hell because we're sinners. 
because God is such a holy God, he can't be in the presence of sin. But Jesus loved us so much, he died on the cross willingly, gave his life and shed his blood to cover our sins, to pay our sin debt. And then it says, um, so in Christ we shall be made righteous. Remember they made fig leaves, coverings of their own. Now we're covered by the blood of Jesus. Good stuff. That's, that's the elementary, fundamental groundwork of the gospel of Christ. The good news. Nothing, man. Why are y'all so quiet today? <laughs> Next week we're going to look at probably the letter B, which stands for Bible, and we're going to have some fun with this too. We're going to strike up some conversations, some that may catch you off guard, I will tell you that. Go for it. You know what I said something to you about caveman? Mm-hmm. Well, I got thinking about that, and I said, well, even the Bible speaks of some of them that actually lived in caves because they was lunatics. Oh, yeah. Whatever. So, yeah. You know, actually it was a caveman. <laughs> I get, yeah, I guess so. You know, the Bible actually speaks about dinosaurs. <laughs> but they don't, they don't call them di- dinosaurs. I think it's in one of the prophets it talks about somebody who has the strength in their belly and their tail, which I think is a, yeah, it, the mighty hill is, that's probably a reference to, uh, I forgot, but the big, the big tall dinosaur where he's got that big long tail. And the strength is in his belly. He whips his tail around. Then there's also one I think called. I think so. I think so. Um, if I won't record it, I could look it up on my phone. But I'm, if I do that, I think it's going to stop there. But um, then it also talks about Leviathan, which I think is talking about something that we would probably liken maybe to a crocodile or alligator that may have been a literal dinosaur so yes i do i've heard this question before yes i do believe in dinosaurs but i don't believe the way they are in jurassic park most dinosaurs dinosaurs were vegetarians carnivores is meat eaters isn't it okay what is the vegetarians herbivores thank you and uh so they were they were vegetarians and so what what made the dinosaurs extinct the flood killed all the vegetation (laughs) They didn't have nothing to eat when they got out the ark. I got it. Which chapter in Job? No, I got it. It's Job uh, 40, 15 through 24. Uh, look at the behemoth which I made along with you. He eats grass like an ox. Look at the strength of his loins and the power of the muscles in his belly. He stiffens his tail like a cedar tree. The tendons of his thighs were woven firmly together. His bones and bronze tubes, his limbs like an iron rod. He is the foremost of God's work. Only his maker can draw the sword against him, and it, it goes on and on. Okay. It lies under the lotus plants, hiding protection from marshy reeds, and it goes on. Pretty cool. Chapter yeah. 41 in Job, one talks about Leviathan. Leviathan. Okay, so both of them's in Job. Mm-hmm. I thought one of them was in Jeremiah. I think one is in Isaiah. I think it mentions it again. Okay. The dragon and thing. Okay. Cool, cool. Leviathan, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's close in prayer. Father, thanks for a good class, and thanks that we can learn from the truths of your word. And uh, Lord, help us all desire a deeper relationship, a deeper, deep, a deeper walk with you, and a deeper understanding of your things and your words. Lord, help us now as we go into our worship hour. Thank you for everyone who made it out to our class today. Lord, I pray a special blessings upon them. And Lord, meet with us in our 11 o'clock hour. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen.